Welcome to the Leaders Toolkit Podcast, Episode 12. Hi, I'm Tracy, the Director of Catalyst Support here at Giant. Welcome to our podcast, designed specifically for team leaders across all industries and organizational sizes. Whether you're a small business owner, a middle manager, a director, or an employee leading a team of three, four, maybe five people, this podcast is here to serve you. Here's the scoop. Excelling in your job often paves the way to leadership positions. However, being proficient in your field doesn't automatically mean you possess the skills to effectively lead a team. Leading people requires a distinct skill set that might not have been part of your previous training. That's where our podcast comes into play. If you face challenges in managing tasks, time, conflict, or motivation within your team, we're here to support you. Our objective is to equip team leaders with the necessary skills to master the art of leading a team. Each episode delivers concise and practical insights featuring valuable hacks, tips, tricks, tools, wisdom, and encouragement. Tune in and make sure to share this resource with other team leaders in your world. Together, let's foster the development of healthy, high-performing teams that have the potential to make a significant impact on this world. Let's become leaders worth following. Welcome back, everyone. I am really delighted to have uh, one of my favorites on today, and I'm going to get right into it because I know it's a short podcast. I know last time our friend Ed um, introduced this concept of the five voices, but we really didn't go through it yet. So you all might be just kind of out there hanging, uh, going, what what in the world is she talking about? What was Ed talking about? So I wanted to bring in my friend and, and the founder, co-founder of Giant, Steve Cockrum, and let him explain the five voices because we affectionately call him the personality Yoda. So welcome, Steve. Thank you, Tracy. Um, I, I hope I'm personality Yoda because my skills rather than what I look like, but I guess I'm getting <laughs> older by the week. Uh, I am right there with you, Steve. But yeah, it's all about your skills, of course. You're well, yes, maybe some out there are kind of sitting on the edge of their seat thinking, what in the world is this concept of the five voices? And and I know for myself, back in high school, I took a class, I think a teacher integrated the Myers-Briggs MBTI, and I got to learn my letters, and that sounded really fun. And I, I kind of get into things like that, but I know not everyone does. I know some people are a little bit resistant um, to this idea of of kind of describing someone and their personality. I know some people feel like they've been shoved into a box and you say something really cool. You say this five voices is not a box to fit someone into, but really a coat to try on. So can you introduce us to the concept? Sure. I, I think, uh, you know, everyone I know has been abused by a personality inventory or assessment somewhere and told this is who you are. And I think that's where a lot of the resistance come from. I think the first thing I'd say about any personality assessment of which five voices is um, the same, um, beware what those who created it claim it can do, because in a sense, they're more limited than perhaps we would want them to be, because any assessment is really giving you a snapshot moment in time of how you're behaving in the external world. It's usually a mix of what you think you ought to be doing, should be doing, and some at a conscious level, some at a subconscious level, some at even an unconscious level. So the thing I always say to people to help them understand that they are truly unique is to say any assessment does not guarantee nature. The way we behave in the world is made up of three different things, our nature, our nurture, and choice. And they roughly make up about a third each of why we behave the way we do. So 
our nature is in many ways our kind of personality DNA. I believe it is hardwired into us as in the same way that DNA is. We, we get given, as it were, particular superpowers and particular strengths and gifts that we can bring to the world. That's our nature. But nurture is unique to every single one of us. It's a mix of our upbringing. It's our gender, ethnicity, race, successes, failures, education, achievements. And in any given moment, people we deal with, their nurture will change. Somebody may have had a wonderful breakthrough in something. Somebody may be going through bereavement. Somebody may have a broken relationship. So nurture is always changing and is dynamic. And so is choice. Every human being has the ability to make choices about how they behave, how they show up, how they learn. So the moment we realize there are three variables shaping why we behave the way we do, then hopefully what it does is somebody may have the same letters, they may have the same voice order as me, but that doesn't mean you look at them and think they're a clone of me because nurture and choice are always playing a hugely significant part in the way we choose to behave. So voices is an attempt to let you define what you believe your nature is. Because remember, you may be playing a role, you may be doing a job, or you may be looking after children, or whatever it is you're doing, where what you're having to choose to behave like every day is not necessarily aligned with your nature. So voices is an attempt to basically take the power of Jungian type and the complexity of the things that people like Myers and Briggs created and create a way in which we can have an easy vocabulary that educated children can understand, use, and teach their friends. But what it's doing is hopefully is giving you a chance to say, this is who I think I am by nature. Therefore, this is what I'm likely to bring at my best, even if you don't see it, because I may be in a role, a job, a particular phase of life where I'm having to do far more through nurture and choice than I am through my nature. So a lot of what we're doing is helping people go, wow, that describes me. No wonder those sort of people, situations are difficult or people are annoying. Or more hopefully, I have no wonder why I love doing those sort of things, why they bring me life and why people really appreciate it when I bring my best to the table. Mm, like that. Yeah. Listeners, I've mentioned before that I put these resources in the show notes. So I'm going to make sure that I put the simple visual tool that he's talking about, nature, nurture, choice into the show notes. So you'll want to check those out. I'll also put the five voices tool there too. So you can see it um, as he's describing it. Um, I really love that, Steve, because that's been my experience learning when I first learned about the five voices. It, it really did feel free. It felt freeing to me because it felt like uh, kind of like an archaeologist was chipping away at Tracy and uh, finally they're undercover under there somewhere after all of my experiences overlaid, all of the people who've been speaking into me, you know, kind of had covered some things. Who am I really? And it was, it was very freeing and it's, it's not something, it's not like a one and done. It feels like every time I explore it, I, I find something about myself and it just feels like the best of me can be um, brought out. So I appreciate that. So can can we go back a little bit and you tell us how it even began? What who created it? How was it created? Um, so when Jeremy and I were beginning to try and create a toolkit for leaders for the new world, realizing it needed to be visual, visual and simple. The thing we realized was um, everything we created. An educated thirteen year old. We both had them at the time. Had to be able to understand the tool 
use it in their own lives and be able to teach it to others. And Izzy, my educated 13 year old, I think was 15 at the time, says, Daddy, I love the fact I'm an ENFP. So that's Miles Briggs Union type. I can understand it. I use it every day. I love the fact that you've been developing me using it, but it's too complicated to teach to my friends. So doesn't that violate the foundational principles that you and Uncle Jeremy say you're building giant upon? Well, it was one of those moments where you, you go, mm, let me go away and think about that, Izzy. But for me, I was you're absolutely right. Myers-Briggs is an incredible tool in the hands of an expert. It's an absolute nightmare tool in the hands of the myriads of amateurs there are out there in the world who have done a certification and have no idea what they're doing. So Izzy's challenge to me was, can you take the power of how I know effective this has been, but make it simple enough that I can actually share it with others? So Voices was written in the source code of Jungian type. It woven in the best of Myers-Briggs, William Schutz, various other people who'd influenced me. And we created five archetypes that each had unique superpowers and things they brought, and in a way that probably will geek out a few people, use the function pairs from the MBTI type stacks to create predictions of voice orders by nature, which, again, you look at and think, well, where, where did you ever come up with that? And I can't really tell you. Only that I promised Jeremy we had something brilliant that we would deliver when we got to Atlanta, and I still didn't have it when I left Heathrow, and then Justin turned it to a presentation, and before you know it, and that sounds like it. I've been thinking about it for a long time, and we've been playing with it, but fundamentally we found that the voice order, the five voices in order, allowed us to actually have the full 16 different personality types, but through the lens of voices, not having to do it through the lens of MBTI. Therefore, everyone could remember it. And all you do is remember your foundational voice, your first one. That's more than enough for most people to be able to relate better to themselves, but also relate better to those in their families and their teams and elsewhere. Mm, that's great. Okay, so if you're listening and you're like getting a little bogged down, you're like this, I don't understand this language. It's okay, hold tight. I'm gonna take a quick break and have a word for you listeners. And then when we come back, I want Steve to reveal these five voices we've been talking about. Okay, Steve, can you hold for just a minute? Of course. All right, listeners, we'll be right back. Calling all team and organizational leaders. Discover a game-changing assessment that is revolutionizing workplaces worldwide. The Five Voices Assessment is a powerful tool that will help you understand your unique wiring and superpowers. It will enable you to understand yourself better than you ever have and perceive and engage with the world. But it will also help you gain valuable insights into the root causes of miscommunication, tension and conflict within your team and explain why you naturally gravitate towards certain team members while struggling to connect with others. To empower your team with a comprehensive snapshot of their dynamics and unlock your team's leadership potential, visit the leadershiptoolkitpodcast.com backslash five voices. The leadershiptoolkitpodcast.com backslash five voices. All right. Welcome back, everyone. Okay. It is finally time to, to outline what these five voices are. So go for it, uh, Steve. Let us know um, each one of the five voices. Okay. So remember, you speak all five. Um, it's not which one are you, which four are you not, but they will be in order. Some of them you go, that's absolutely me. And others you go, oh, that's not really me. 
So don't worry that you suddenly haven't found it immediately. So nurturers are the first voice. Um, nurturers are the champions of relationships, relational harmony, values. They care deeply about people. They're some of the most self-giving, uh, loving, compassionate, team, others-orientated people you know who often have a little bit of what we call imposter syndrome. Nobody else in, in that sees them the way they see themselves. We see them as highly skilled professional, utterly loyal team member, universally loved. Nurturers have a unique capacity to look in the mirror and not see that. They see the one or two things they can't do. So that is an incredible gift to bring to the world. 43% of people, Tracy, speak nurture as their first voice out of five. So you don't have to be a mathematical genius to realize it's not an equal distribution. And I wish there were more nurturers in leadership in our world. It would be a lot more just, a lot kinder, a lot more compassionate, better thought through, and relating to the needs of others rather than the egos of many of the individuals who lead uh, parts of our world. So is that long enough as a pen sketch for a nurturer first voice? Absolutely. And I'm as you're saying and describing that, I can name off several people in my world that I would go, yep, I know that she is, or I know that he would be a first voice nurturer. And those are folks that we, man, what would we do without them, right? Um, I know there are data, I know there are data people out there, um, Steve, who are going to go 43%. Now, how'd you get that number? So uh, it's one of the few, one of my few statistics that are actually genuine. I usually say 73.4% <laughs> statistics are made up on the spot. But it comes from, for those of you who really want to go find out, um, it comes from basically the middle two letters, the function pairs and the MBTI letters. So if you are an SF, a sensor feeler, then nurture will be your first voice. So if you go and look at all the, the four combinations of SFs in the 16 boxes of MBTI and you look at the stats, you'll find they add up to 43%. Okay. So this is real. There's real data here. Um, the one thing that Myers and Briggs did brilliantly over the last 30 years is they've compiled millions and millions of assessments and spent a huge amount of time trying to validate their instrument, even if academia still struggles with it occasionally. So we've just piggybacked on there. Um, and that's where that comes from. Okay, that, that's helpful. All right. So that's the nurture voice. Now, are you going in some particular order because you started with nurture? I probably am because I always teach it this way because I do it in voice volume. Um, how easy it is for this voice to be heard. You don't always hear the nurture of voice if they don't feel safe, if they don't feel that people really want to hear what they're going to say, or more likely they fear they're going to be shot down by some large individual um, with a grenade launcher or something awful that's going to tell them why they're wrong. So nurturers, though they represent so many people, are often the quietest voices in team because they usually don't want to argue and disagree with people so therefore, we always say, let the nurturer go first, or at least mm. give them that option. Because if I put down a really strong opinion, it's hard for a nurturer to say, Steve, I think you're wrong, even if they think I'm wrong, because that's going to damage relational harmony, and we may end up in a fight. Mm. Okay. So, All right. The, the, yeah. So that's the quietest. And now what's next? So the creative is the, the second voice by volume, really. Again, you, you have to work to hear a creative. So the creatives are the champions of the future, innovation, vision, exploring what could be. They're the most incredible conceptual architects who think outside boxes, who look at things completely differently to most other people. Um, healthy creatives always stop you having groupthink. 
They're always exploring what could be. They're never satisfied with the status quo. And they're always on the frontiers looking out into what's coming in technology, in ideas, in possibilities. And often some of the most interesting people, if you can actually get them to share what they're learning and interested in, it's fascinating. But they're all introverts by nature. So they don't always either want to share or the great challenge for every creative is usually the three C's of communication. They're never usually as clear trying to externalize their brilliant ideas as they are thinking about them. Um, They're never as good at celebrating as they ought to be because don't forget a creative sees a perfect vision of the future in their head. And unfortunately, perfect visions, however great, usually end up meeting human beings in the real world. So what they see as an outcome is never as perfect as how they visioned it when it was in their minds and their heads when they grew it. So they often struggle to celebrate even when everyone else thinks it's time to party. And the last one is completion. Every creative I know loves the visioning, ideation, dreaming of what could be. But there is usually a long time between the agreeing the vision and actually seeing it become a concrete reality. So staying at it, as it were, to kind of follow it through when all the excitement and joy of visioning is gone and we're now into the detailed orientation of completing and finishing, that's always a challenge for my creative friends. But they are they always have a genius spark in them. If you are able to tap into it, particularly when the world is changing so fast and we haven't been here before, they often bring insights which are utterly invaluable. But if you don't understand the way they communicate, you'll often dismiss them and you'll often miss what it is they're trying to say because every creative I know very rarely says what they mean first time. It usually takes two or three goes where people are prepared to ask the clarifying questions to go, what do you really mean before the gold comes out? And then everyone goes, wow, that was incredible creative. Why didn't you say that first time? And they go, I thought I did. So creatives like nurturers need the environment where the team understand how to get their best into the conversation or into the family. So it must be so frustrating being a creative first voice to be in an environment where the, you, you almost, you don't get the chance to share because people dismiss your first opinion or they're not prepared to go with you on the rabbit trail to finally get to the point where the gold comes out. Um, I've learned to be a lot more appreciative I think of the superpowers of the creative that see the future both in terms of opportunity but also danger and that's the bit which they love doing they love helping shape the future and you know if you as a leader tap into that superpower they always want to help and they love doing it ah well a big thank you to you because my husband is a first voice creative and you have helped me understand him so well and you're right. I mean, that all of these things describe him so, so well. He's a genius and so much is going on in his brain. And yet sometimes it doesn't all come out. And so then there's frustration there. And I've learned uh, because of you and your, your teaching about this to really tap into that genius and his future thinking self and uh, really appreciate the strengths there. So thank you for that. By the way, that makes me think of uh, just future and present thinkers. So can you explain that as you're going uh, through these voices as well? Mm, yeah so so it's, it really is to do with the second letter in relation to the, the mind's break so a sensor and intuitive so nurturers are s s whereas the creatives are n 
So one is very much focused on the here and now, what is real, what is concrete, what is practical, all of their, in many ways, the focus of their, their attention is in the present. So sensors see detail, they see things as they really are, and then they move towards the future with confidence. When you're dealing with a future-orientated voice, they usually, I say, stood on tiptoe, looking out into the future, dreaming of what could be, because the future is more exciting to them than the present, because they can't change that. The present or the past are springboards either into the future or things we can learn from from the past. So if you think about it, if your focus is in the future, it's often you miss the details in the present. So if you think of the complementary nature of you and your husband, Tracy, as well, Greg, you are a very good detail person in the present. Greg yeah. will be a very good at visioning the future. When you create synergy in that relationship, it's incredibly powerful. But if you don't have tools or lenses to understand the difference, you often end up missing each other. Because in a sense, it's like, what planet do you live on that you don't see the practical needs around you and conversely, the future orientated personalities often struggle that you don't find it exciting that I want to vision and change the future 100 years from now. So it's always understanding the superpower and the gift so we can connect and we can celebrate it. And we can hopefully create synergy where the sum of the parts, whether that's in a marriage or a team or friendships, is greater than the sum of the individual parts. That never happens by accident, by the way. My conclusion, Jeremy, we've just written this book at the moment where long-term, healthy, effective relationships are the exception, not the norm. Mm -hmm. So maintaining a long-term, healthy relationship is the exception, not the norm in every area of life as we look at it. And that only happens when you actually can celebrate the superpowers and the unique insights and complementary gifts of the person who is different to you. Mm, that's great. Yeah. Which is why listeners, I have Steve on here right now is, is to show uh, what this is. We've talked about mirrors and lenses with, uh, within our tools. And so this is one of those mirrors that you can see yourself for now. Like, let's just use this tool right now on you, the leader to see where, where do you fall within these five? Um, so that then later down the road, once you understand that, then you can start applying it to your people and really know them. Steve, you know, this is a short podcast and we're out of time for today. So I'm leaving people hanging yet again. So we've been through the nurture voice, the creative voice. So could you come back for another episode and let's cover the other three? Of course, of course. Okay. All right. Well, stay tuned, everybody. We will see you next time. Attention leaders seeking inspiration. Unlock the potential within yourself and your team with the best-selling books by giant co-founders Steve Cockrum and Jeremy Kubitschek. Immerse yourself in their transformative works, including The 100X Leader, Five Voices, and Five Gears, all featured on the Leaders Toolkit podcast. Stay ahead of the curve with Jeremy Kubitschek's latest release, The Peace Index Book. These must-have resources are available for purchase on Amazon or at your local bookstore. If you're an organization looking to empower your workforce, porchlightbooks.com offers bulk rate pricing options. Order in bulk for corporate reading clubs, events, or meaningful employee gifts. Fuel your leadership journey today.